Welcome to another edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Your listenership is greatly appreciated. On today's show, I have another special guest, first-time guest, uh, almost a, I'd say a long-time coming guest, a fellow co-worker and friend, Mr. Gerald Coldman. Gerald, welcome to the, to the show, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. The uh, the deacon finally made it, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> he finally made it in. Joe, it's great to finally it, made it. It's great to have you on. Uh, just to talk about uh, just anything in general. But uh, I usually start the show when 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 I have new guests on, just kind of giving a brief overview as to their backgrounds and what they do for a living and whatnot. Don't have to get too specific, but just kind of general, a general perspective. Uh, so we both, uh, for first off, we both work together at the moment. We have kind of gone through similar paths as far as our work experience goes. Obviously you have a lot more work experience than I do, uh, but kind of, kind of, Kind of give us an old brief overview as to how you came up and where all the way to where you are today. Okay, so um, I'm born and raised here in Houston, Texas. Uh, grew up on Houston's South Side and Sunnyside area. Attended Jack X High School. Graduated from Willow Ridge. Uh, well. So as far as working, uh, worked nine years with Metro, and then after finishing my uh, degree in criminal justice, I made the move to Harris County um, probation, juvenile probation. In 2015, uh, I started off as a juvenile supervision officer for about two and a half years, um, then moved over to the... Uh, service learning community service department into uh next to uh, intensive supervision and now with the uh deferred so i've you know been moving around trying to you know get to where i need to be uh, as far as um, career-wise um also um, volunteer with two mentoring programs uh the stronger wiser better mentoring program which is based on uh houston sunnyside area as well as uh, my brother's keepers uh, which is based out of jack yakes high school wow, so yeah that's, that's pretty quite much cool. what i spend the majority of my time doing i'm also a minister at my church uh new temple of praise international fellowship uh, president of the men's department i'm also a youth leader as well Man, that's quite the uh, repertoire, as they say. <laughs> that's a lot more than I do. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Just a little bit, but man, it keeps you, it keeps you busy, keeps you occupied, and you know, it's doing something good for for the community. Man, let me let me ask you this: you mentioned, and you kind of gave me the basis for for the rest of the episode. Uh, man, tell me what it, what it was like growing up in Sunnyside, because I'm I'm not too far from where you grew up, man. Uh, I grew up in. And still am in the second ward area, so we're really not that far off. <laughs> right. So um, the area that I grew up in, I'm right at 
the borderline between Sunnyside and South Park. So I don't know if any uh, anybody knew that Sunnyside is actually uh, ranked in the top ten of most dangerous neighborhoods in the U.S. So uh, growing up in that area, um, I mean, like your basic um, urban low class neighborhoods um so a lot of poverty um came up during the era where you know we tried to make the best out of negative situations you see the kids outside playing football playing basketball something to keep us preoccupied and distracted from the troubles that was going on in the neighborhood so a lot of good memories um when I found out that my neighborhood was, you know, in the top 10 of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the U.S., I couldn't actually believe it because I really didn't see a whole lot of, you know, what people see on TV. I really didn't see a whole lot of that. And a lot of it may have to do with the fact that my parents uh, kept me and my brother active in school and in church and busy. So... We wasn't really the neighborhood kids that just hung out in the neighborhoods a whole lot. Man, and you, you mention it, it just it just strikes a nerve because it's almost the same <laughs> the same exact way that I I came up growing up here in this area in the uh, mm-hmm. southeast part of uh, you know Second Ward, the East End, Magnolia, uh, al- almost almost parallel because uh going back to when i was in high school I, I i'm very curious so i'm always doing a lot of research and stuff online uh they labeled my high school austin high school as a as a dropout factory along with milby high school and you know all these other high schools in the area i'm sure probably yates was probably named one of those and uh mm-hmm. all these surrounding high schools but at the same time i'm looking at it like like not, nah, I, I wouldn't label it as that. You know, I graduated from there with with honors, so <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say it's right. a, you know, maybe as far as when you're talking about numbers, but you know, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of the friends that I still keep in touch with, a lot of the their family members that also went to to those schools, uh, they graduated from there too and went on to do great things. So it's not like it's not those things of course the media is going to sensationalize a lot of things um especially during this during this time that we're in right now but and they never they never go on and actually put some of the good stuff on there right because i know there's i know there's a lot of good stuff going on going around in every community Uh, it's just a matter of getting it out there and people like yourself people like myself you know we Go the, tend to go the extra mile at times to put it out there and and say you know what there is there is hope out there there is there are resources out there we gotta we gotta push forward on that but man what uh what I, I know several people from from that area I know people that have lived in that area uh, how long how long do you live out there in, in Sunnyside uh Moved out there in about '94, uh, maybe about 
eight years. Um, yeah, about eight years. Uh, I think I moved there in about 94. Uh, we moved actually my senior year in high schools. Um, so it's about eight years. So most of your childhood was, was spent growing up there. Right. Right. Gotcha. Where'd you go on from there? So when we moved in 2001, um, it was actually right at the end of my junior year. We moved to Missouri City. Um, I ended up finishing my senior year uh, and graduating from Woolridge High School. Wow. Most City, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Well, Good old Most City. Well, what was that like, man, the transition from, uh, from Sunnyside to, to Missouri City? Was it a was it an easy one or? Uh, it was pretty easy. Uh, I mean, the neighborhoods were a little different. Um, a little bit more upscale. The neighborhoods were, um, as far as the schools, it was pretty much the same. Um, I didn't really have a hard time adjusting. Um, cause there were actually people at school who I actually knew that actually went the eights and, uh, people who I went to junior high with people who, uh, used to live in the same neighborhood as me. So, um, it wasn't really a hard transition moving from Sunnyside to Missouri city. I got you. I got you. The, uh, you mentioned growing up. You know, staying busy with sports and all that, and in the church. How far back do you go as far as being involved with the church? Oh man, I've been involved since I was seven. Wow, seven years old. Uh, I started off as singing in the youth choir, drill team, doing the church announcements. Um, from there. Sunday school teacher, working the sound system, the audio director. And so a lot of my experiences in the church actually groomed me for college and other positions and internships that I've been uh, blessed to be a part of. Wow. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. It, it's, uh, and, I, and I say this all the time, and I, and I, I kind of, you know, I sometimes I, how you say, kind of kick myself over the fact that I, there's still some things I need to get done as far as, you know, when, when we talk about church. Um, and I just keep putting it off, keep putting it off. And I'm like, no, nah, I really need to, I really need to get it done because, you know, it's something that, you know, not, I'm not really, I'm not a, I'll go ahead and put it out there. I, I don't practice my religion as I should. But it's not that I don't believe in it, you know. I, I have, right. you know, I, ha I have faith in in what we, uh, what I came up because it's what I came up, you know, growing up. That's what I, what I was taught, and so mm -hmm. it's it, it just right, you know, when when we first met about a couple of years ago, you know, right off the bat, it, it I'm like, man, this this <laughs> this man's onto something. <laughs> he is onto something yeah. because. It's a lot of a lot of what we see in our community and in our line of work. Um, when 
when you put forth, you know, and, and not necessarily just kind of force it on people, just kind of introduce it and put it forth. Because we do have a lot of this, a lot of this stuff in our facilities that we used to work in. A lot of uh, pastors going out and, you know, doing Bible studies and uh, doing all sorts of things for, for these kids. Uh, the, the troubled youth that we work with, um, right. programs that are put forth, and and people might be surprised, uh, man. A lot of these kids really do, you know. I've heard it from many kids say that, you know, it's helped them a lot. It really helps them cope with whatever they have going on. Right. What are your thoughts on 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 that whole aspect of it? Well, it's been my experience working with the youth that uh, these kids are very intelligent. They can tell when someone really genuinely cares about them and and is willing to exercise patience with them. They can see that. And so when they see a staff or anybody, you know, taking time out with them, just kind of just to show them a different way uh, of doing things a different way of thinking um they remember stuff like that and you know it it, it it helped me a lot working in the facility um starting program because it not only did it help them but it helped me as well coming into a field that i had no experience in uh something like that uh helped me to build a rapport with the youth that I work with, just kind of understand. And, you know, one activity will lead to them, you know, just talking and revealing some things to me that not even their own parents knew. So just earning their trust, just, you know, cause you know, that's not a really easy thing to do with young people. And that's, you know, it's very hard to get them to trust you. And so I figure when you when you show them how genuine you are, it kind of it kind of opens the door for trust. Uh, whether it's um, having Bible study with them, and one thing I know about youth, you can't lecture them to death. Uh, you have to. They need someone to talk to and express themselves to, and sometimes they just need you to be there with an open ear, not so much with a uh, suggestion or you should do this or you should do that. Just somebody that'll just take time out and listen to them. So that's how I feel about that. A common a common problem that we see across the board in in, in the. Uh, the population that we work with is the fact that I'd say most, most of, most of these youth grow up in a fatherless home. And that's a, that's a, man, that's a big problem that, that really, you know, you take that, not just that, but it's a major component. You take that away. And these, these, you have single mothers that are juggling to do, everything and not saying that it can't be done but it's it's hard when when you're throwing things like a pandemic and people losing their jobs and living in yeah. drug riddled communities and 
and crime and all those factors come into place and my hey needless to say some of them might not even be here legally in this country and you're dealing with that too and so time and time again you come across come across these youth that are they grow up like that and so you have instances where you're trying to deal with them and they don't want to listen to you. <laughs> they're not about to, they're not about, like you say, you know, you can't lecture them, but you you got to put your foot, foot forward and, you know, remind them that you're, you know, you're still the authority, but at the same time that you're, you know, cause I, I always, I always look out for people and I'm, I made them very well aware of that. I'm not going to, you know, be outlandish and give them all sorts of stuff. I'm going to give you the necessary tools that you need to be able to succeed. What, what do I, what do you, what do they gain in me, you know, giving them, let's say food, for example, or something. It's really not, I'm not really teaching you anything. If I'm doing it, if I'm rewarding you for every little thing, I mean, it's not how I grew up. Even even when I graduated college, man, all I all I got was uh, we went to go eat at the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I got a free Sunday for that. <laughs> but you know, y- you see what I mean when 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 we talk about that stuff. It's uh, exactly a lot. A lot of these young men growing up and girls too, growing up nowadays nowadays with the the entitlement factor and. I deserve this and I deserve that. It's like, nah, man, you got you got to put in the work. You can't just expect things to be handed to you. I'm sure you didn't get handed a lot of things in your life, in your lifetime. Right. As did I. No, I did not. <laughs> even yeah, even to this day, man, <laughs> I've had to work for everything that that I have right now. But right. nonetheless, man, what 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 led you toward toward that path to work? Uh, to work in in the system man like like we are today and how we still how we still are in the working in the system so funny story um when i graduated from willow ridge i attended u of h uh downtown it was always back then my desire to go into journalism and so while i was at u of h um i did um, something called work study which I actually worked on campus to uh, pay for my tuition. And I worked in the criminal justice department. I was like, okay. So, and I was just, you know, just paying attention to some of the professors that I worked with, um, some of the reading material, and, you know, I would assist them in getting their um, packets together, assignments, and one of the professors, he was the um, juvenile justice um, professor, and I worked very well with this person um, and, you know, getting their work material, and I was just kind of pay attention and read some of the material, and I was like, hmm, this seems like a very interesting field to kind of go into. And so when things didn't pan out, with journalism, um, I decided to, you know, move towards the criminal justice side. So I ended up 
uh, earning my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Um, so once I completed that, I was like, well, what now? And so um, I went to the county website looking for criminal justice positions. The only position that kept popping up was juvenile supervision officer. And I kept saying, I do not want to do that. And so I, I passed over it. I passed over it. Every time I would go on the county website, that would be the only opening uh, that they would have. So I said, okay, you know what? Let me give this a shot. I applied. Uh, you know, got uh, once I applied, I kind of researched the position just to get a a good understanding of what a juvenile supervision officer does. And then when I finally made that move, I, I was hired in uh, 2015. I had worked nine years with Metro. So that was a big step um, for me to make. And so the trainings, the videos I would watch on my spare time kind of, you know, prepared me for finally going into the facility and man I tell you that those two and a half years was definitely an experience I would never forget I saw a lot um, but I learned a lot more importantly um, so working with those youth uh, was the reason why I wanted to further my education and kind of um, look towards other positions in that field, um, in the field of juvenile justice. Um, that's where the passion of mentoring and um, that's where um, me starting program, this, it, it all started at BBRC. Um, anybody that I've worked with can tell you that I did not have the most pleasant first couple of months, um, but you know, I, I realized that this was what I wanted to do. And, you know, with this field, if it's not something that you're passionate about, uh, it can really, you know, wear you out and um, mentally. And so um, a lot of things I had to kind of bite my tongue when it came to the kids. And so, and I just had to realize what they were going through. I had to, like I said before, I had to, you know, get them to trust me. And that meant enduring a lot. And I, like I said, this type of field is not built for everyone. So um, we conquered and was able to move on and do great things and field as well. Isn't 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 it crazy and crazy? And sometimes we go back and and reminisce about <laughs> when we used to work in those facilities and the different types of things that we we both experienced. This as far as uh, not even not even as much as with the working with the youth, but also with the staff members that we encountered from the different personalities that would come come across. And man, I tell you, it's. Uh, for me, the last five years have, has been a whirlwind, man. I've met so many great people. Uh, I met some crappy people too at the same time, and I'm not putting I'm putting that down either. But 
and I've also lost uh, several people too that are no longer uh-huh. with us. You know, uh, it's uh, it's man, it's crazy. Like you say, you are one hundred percent correct on that. If you're not fully invested in this in this field and you're just in it for the paycheck, I would strongly urge you and recommend that you find another job because yeah. it is it is a high level stress job i can tell you this from experience i'm sure you you as well you're especially when you're working in a close setting like that in a in a dormitory like that in a unit yeah where you're the authority in that unit and you have to take care of 12 possibly more youth I'm not, and and they'll say we'll keep it within that ratio, but you know you're gonna go above that ratio and take care of more youth. It ain't just gonna be twelve. You're possibly gonna be dealing with maybe seventeen to twenty, like I did in my unit. How how I was able to keep it on lock to this day, I don't know, but I will say that I give a lot of credit to the to the man that I work with who I consider my mentor coming up who I'm still trying to get in touch with man to this day. I haven't had a chance to talk to him as of late. I believe he's already retired, but he, man, he told me from straight up. He said, look, man, you're either going to sink or swim. And so I'm going to let you take charge. I can tell you it ain't going to, it's not going to be easy. But I'll be right here if you need me. But I, I need you to, I need you to get out there and, and, and just do it. I can't, you know, because maybe one of these days I might not, I might not be at work. I might be out sick, or I might be on vacation. He was way older than me. He was maybe in his late sixties, maybe going into his seventies, I believe. Right. Uh, but that that man, I, I tell you, man, it's. Those, let's see, it was from 2015 to 2016 or 2017. For those two years, man, we just developed a bond that was, if you, (laughs) and I'll make the funny comparison. If you go back and watch the Lethal Weapon movies, that was us. (laughs) I was Mel Gibson. He was Danny Glover. (laughs) That's the comparison oh, I make. Man. But, man, we had that unit on lock. When I tell you he was so happy that I came in, it was like from the stories that I heard and in the 10 years that he worked in that unit, man, I tell you, he could not work with anybody straight up. He could not work with anybody. He was always complaining about something till I came in and said, you know what? I see what this man has built as far as a a structure and a discipline in the unit. I'm going to follow it. And sure enough, when I did that, man, it just made our jobs a lot easier, way easier than you can possibly believe because the unit supervisors, you know, the, the, the unit supervisor we used to work with, who's no longer with us. Uh, he already knew he didn't come. He didn't have to come down to our unit to, you know, stop whatever fire that was going on. At times, you would have an unruly youth who would just go above and beyond to make your day a lot more difficult than it should. 
and for the rest of the unit as well. But he knew, even the shift supervisors knew, hey, they got it on lockdown over there. They know what they're doing. So we really don't have to say much. And so right. he would, I, I, I'd say I, I took most of the workload, man. I would, for most of the time, be running the unit. And, you know, he'd be out, he'd be just, you know, watching, uh, not watching, but monitoring showers and when people would go use the restroom. Because we had the, our unit had the restroom outside, so you'd have to unlock the door to go to the hallway to that lead into the restrooms. Right. So, but man, those are, those were some crazy times. Those were some fun times. And I, I learned, I, I thank that man to this day. I, I learned a lot from him. He, I've, I think last I heard he was living out in Sugarland. Uh, but I, I learned, I learned a lot from that man. And most of the work I do now is, still goes but the the core of it goes back to his teachings and all that and you know the kids looked up to him man they uh, anytime somebody would try to step up to him and try to challenge him the the kids well, you know, that's, the, that's what kids look for they they want somebody right to look up to there there'd be times man where where somebody would try to threaten him or like talk you know talk crazy at him and you'd have some of the older kids, because I work with the with the the ones that were doing GED, 16, 17 years old, and they'd be pulling up to the side and be like, "Hey, man, don't be talk, don't be talking crazy to them," or we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to handle that. I wouldn't say nothing, man. I'm like, "Look, man, I'm telling you straight up, that ain't the right way to go, because these kids will fight for this man." <laughs> and this man, this, he he took care of him, man. Like you wouldn't believe. He would give him, but he'd make him earn that. So we had, we had these pizza parties, right? But, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't, they would have to earn those. So we had what we, I'm sure they had it over there too. The major cleanup days. Would you have to right. clean up the units? So he would say, look, y'all need to win three major cleanups and I can give you all a pizza party. But y'all need to win. And it wasn't in a row, too. It was just as long as they won those three, they would earn it. Right, and, right. Uh, man, there'd be times where he would warn them, say, look, we'll have this. And I don't want anybody sneaking any food back in the dorm because we ain't having any more. And, man, they they followed. We had it. We had it on lock, man. But those were some good times. And they, a lot of these kids, man, a lot, a lot of them... There was rarely any any arguing going on, any back and forth. So you have it at times. But going in, they knew what to expect once you start giving them that rundown of how things worked. And right. s- sadly, you didn't have that in other units. Each unit operated differently and a lot more, a lot more lax. And I firmly believe that you can't have that in a, in a setting like that. You can't let your guard down because at the in a matter of seconds, everything can go down south quick, whether it turns into a fight or people start hiding stuff. And then they start doing these 
locker inspections and they start finding stuff and they come back to you and say, well, why are we finding this? Are you not doing your job? You're turning in the right. locker sheet saying you did the search. Oh, man, did they hate me in that dorm. <laughs> but they knew not to bring stuff. Right, they knew I was right. going to find it. And they knew I was doing these I mean, searches. <laughs> I mean, it, it was the same way uh, at the facility that I worked at. I used to call my facility Baby Rockazala because that's what it, <laughs> you know. If, if you ever seen any movies or documentaries on Rockers Island, that's where I thought I was working at the junior version of it. And, you know, we, our facility, we had um, between the three, because uh, you had one that was more like boot camp, and the one you were at were more, was more, uh, it was more like a what's youth the word camp. I'm looking it's like they, a, they would call it the ranch. Right. It's more like a, like a youth camp kind of like a little getaway right and ours was oh god the intensive uh, facility because we had the phoenix mental health unit we had the drug unit we had the sex offender unit we even had some of the overflow from detention so whew, we had a lot of different personalities in that building and so uh for us it was important for us to utilize teamwork and effective communication when it came down to our jobs and working with each other because a lot of these kids would be so sneaky they can turn staff against each other and so and me during the time that I left uh, I was working in the unit one of the units that nobody wanted to be in um, but I had a very good rapport with just about everybody in that unit and so it was kind of easy for me and that's the, that's the thing what we talked about when you you know find a way to connect with these kids it, it makes your job so easy I've always been a fan of work smart and not work hard and I find when you find ways to engage these kids and not just let them play cards and gamble all day, but actually get them involved in stuff and motivate them, then it, it makes running the unit so easy. And, and that's something that I had to learn throughout time. But uh, I had supervisors as well that, uh, motivated me because I remember doing uh, my first couple of months I think I had like eight fights well no I'm sorry not that many fights maybe four before lunchtime and I had maybe eight calls for a supervisor before 12 noon and I was just I went in the supervisor's office and I was going to give them my badge and say, you all can have this facility, I'm gone. But they kind of just talked with me and kind of just spoke with me and just kind of, you know, helped me through the process what was a difficult time. And so us working together in teamwork, that, that's, oh man, that's, that's so important. It helps the job um, go by so easily and, yeah. I'm, I miss... Uh 
at times I look back and I'm like, man, I miss working out in Seabrook, just going out there and, and cause I had all my spots already. I had different spots. I would go, I go eat or when I became a, a caseworker, I'd have my, I had the, the Starbucks on NASA road. I mean, you had everything on NASA road one. You had the Starbucks, you had the Fuddruckers, you had, what else? The Wingstop was in the area, I believe. And before I left, in 2018, they had just opened a Chick-fil-A. So, oh, wow. man, yeah, we had, I, I hit that spot maybe like once or twice when I was there. They just so happened to open it, but those were some good times, man. I, I had a pretty, I had a pretty, I had a pretty good schedule when considering how, how much experience I had going in, uh, Started working, let's see, have, being off on Sundays and Mondays, which was, wasn't so bad working the 2 to 10 shift, the evening shift. And I managed to scale it back to having Fridays and Saturdays off. And, I, man, I enjoyed that for what it was. I <laughs> I started going to the, to the movies on Friday mornings <laughs> and just catching whatever movie was coming out that weekend. Uh, having to go to work on Sundays, man, was the worst. Saturdays and Sundays, because I had it on both ends. When I became a, a caseworker, I switched back to being off on Sundays and Mondays, which would have had me working Saturdays. And, you know, it is what it is. I say now I'm really spoiled with <laughs> where we're working at now. But but we deserve it, man. It's It's not like we just came up and... And they just gave us this because we still have to work Saturdays in our department. It's almost right. a, it's almost something that you can't get away with, working. Even even some holidays, um, Saturdays, but it's not like we're working every Saturday. But you don't, we don't, we didn't get here just cause you know we have a degree and all that. No, I mean you got to put in the time. Yeah. You gotta put in the Most time like, like anything else, but man, those those were some good times. I I really I love Seabrook. I love the area, and I think last I heard they had shut down the building. I don't know if they're gonna reopen it again because of the pandemic. But it's um, man, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought I was gonna be working out there? It's just crazy looking back. Like man. Because I had just gone to a concert out there at the Scout Bar in in December of 2014. So it was getting to the point where I was coming up on my last semester of college at U of H downtown. And I just decided, I said, man, I need to start. I need to get the jump start on this. And so, so man, when, when I... I went to the concert maybe about a few days before I left on my on my trip to Mexico for vacation, which was the last. <laughs> if you can, this is so weird, man. I haven't been back to Mexico since. Um, I before I left to Mexico, I put in my application to work there, and I think as soon as I came back, I I had heard back from them in January. Saying that they wanted wanted me to you know go through the process and all that, 
And at this time, I was finishing up my last semester of college. I was still working for the paper at the same time as assistant editor while doing a podcast for the paper, like went in conjunction with the paper. I think we were doing, man, we were doing a weekly news roundup and putting out, uh, I was recording two additional episodes, one for what I was doing and one for what the editor was doing as well. So we were splitting up work all at the same time while taking my final three classes online. So, man, would I be able to do it now? I don't think so. I have enough trouble <laughs> trying to trying to get the work done from home, <laughs> which yeah. is not, not rocket science. But, man, that's um, those, those are some good times, man. Now we're now we're removed from all that, and we uh we've been through the run we'll run through the gauntlet as they say. But before we wrap this whole up, and we can just have a whole episode on just working out there. But man, before we wrap up, I know I was on, and I'm and I've been meaning to do this. I've been meaning to promote your show on my social media sites. <laughs> Well, I was, and we'll plug it towards the end too, just so people out there can go and tune in. A, I was on your newest podcast recently, and we were talking about the the George Floyd situation that has been going on right. for for almost right. a, has it been a week now, or more than a week? Yeah, it's been going on two weeks now. I believe. Two weeks. So, and at at, at the time that we're recording this they're having the the memorial for george floyd which is being broadcast all over the news it's uh since the last time we spoke uh, which was just a few days ago we've seen a lot of development on this yes we have on this case and where we left off we n- not even going into the whole thing but we left off we were talking about the the riots that were taking place in response to to this police officer, I'm not even going to mention his name because it's not even worth mentioning. But right. in what this officer did to to George Floyd, resulting in him losing his life, and seeing the protests that followed, going on to show you in the last few days, you know, you take away the rioting and the looting, that's a whole separate issue in itself. But you see the the effect that this has had all over the nation, not even just the nation, but worldwide. And how quick, how quickly, and not even I don't even I don't even want to say quickly too, because they t- they took their time on on charging these men, these officers, and uh. is as it should be. Now they're saying, yeah, these other officers are being charged too, pretty much similar to what he's getting, because they by not them not saying anything, yeah, you're just as guilty, and not helping right. this man, you know, at least push him out the way or something. But man, how there was a protest that that took place here in Houston this past Tuesday, and. To everybody's surprise, as peaceful as it could be, as it should be, right? Because 
what I mention all the time, what I tell people all the time that that violence is never the answer and looting and rioting, that's that's not oh well, you know, it's just gonna get their attention because, you know, it's we're rebelling and I I understand. I understand that. I know what this leads to. You can only push people so far over the edge that they're just gonna say, you know what, screw it. To hell with this and to hell with that and let's just no man. We have a set of we have a system in place. Yeah, it's not the best. Yeah, it has its flaws. But man, we have to we have to abide by that system and go forth and through with the laws. Otherwise, right. we'd just be living in anarchy. And it's a shame that man. It's just uh, I'm I'm as gutted as a lot of people are that this man is no longer with us. Houston native, t- to say the least from that had graduated from Yates High School as well. Right. And so now I I firmly believe we're seeing a a movement take place as we speak. Uh-huh. That's something and it sucks, man, because it it shouldn't have to take a human life being lost for this to happen. But unfortunately that's what happened. From seeing it from your from your perspective, uh, given the fact that you know you you know you grew up in the black community and you know the struggle, you know it more than I do. Of course, you know mine was I wouldn't say it's the same struggle, but it's a similar struggle too that you know that I faced growing up with discrimination and racism and all that. How do you, how do you see this from from your perspective? Do you see a change coming? Do you see things improving in the in not only in the justice system but in the in the uh, the criminal justice system and the police system? Well, I, I see changes within definitely the police system, how we train officers and how we you know train them on certain tactics and certain situations. Um, you know, with us, when we were officers, we had recertification training. We had different trainings that we had to attend throughout the year. And I, I wonder, I'm wondering, is that the same case with officers? If not, it should be um, to kind of, you know, make sure that this does not happen again. Uh, because I believe in this particular time, if this was the second time uh, that someone died in the hands of, of the police uh, in the same manner with uh, officer's knee on a, a person's neck, uh, the first one may, may, have been, may have been more, but this is the second one that we know of. Uh, the first one was with Eric Garner. Um, as far as racism go you know that that's something you you i can't change a person's opinion about another class of people that's that's a decision that they they have to make deep down within them that's something that they're going to have to work on within themselves um but what i did like was um hearing that all 50 states 
um, protested. Uh, so I don't know, those all 50 states protested. And I think this is why, and, you know, we saw the protest during the Trayvon Martin and the um, Michael Brown tragedy. But I think this has to be the most massive protesting that I've ever witnessed in the middle of a pandemic at that. No less. <laughs> Let's just acknowledge it. In the middle of, I mean, we're, we're seeing stuff we've never seen before. A pandemic and a massive protest. A protest that even expanded outside of the U.S. People overseas were protesting. And so um, I, I definitely think the biggest change is going to be with law enforcement um, and the way we deal with arrests and, and the way that um, officers deal with hostile situations. So, um, sorry about that. It, it, press the unmute button because turning this TV down. <laughs> right. But, uh, so it, that's kind of my views on it. That, that's how, what I see from my lens. And it's it is great that that you mentioned that. I know, and I I totally agree. You can't change a person's uh, opinion, their mindset, you know. But right. I will I will tell you this, man. Having this discussion with my dad the other day, he 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 was being very candid and said, you know, I never I never knew what racism was until I came to the United States. Doesn't isn't that mind blowing? Yeah, it's just, and I'm just sitting there thinking like, well, he's like, well, yeah, you know, because you know, come being born in Mexico and and coming, you don't, you know, of course they they learn a different, it's a different culture, and you learn the history of Mexico. It's right. completely different, but you come over here and you start learning about all this stuff, and it's like, wait, so these people are being you know, you start learning about segregation and uh, slavery and all the sorts of stuff. And my dad's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> okay, so he's like, man, this is this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. Something has to change. And, of course, he he was around a time when, you know, when he, when he was my age. I'd say, let's say 67, Yeah, so around around my age was when the Rodney King protests, uh, when the whole L.A. riots thing was happening. And that was more exclusive to Los Angeles, but it was the same thing. You have somebody being beat by a police officer. No less somebody Sorry. of color, and, and it just sparks outrage. And you would think something would have changed 30 years later obviously that's right. not the case and man it's just I, I wasn't raised I wasn't raised to grow up you know having to classify this as a nah man I just I love people man I don't care what race you are what nationality if you're a good person you're good in my book Regardless of, of race, regardless of ethnicity, because you know, there's like we we talked about it on on your show the other day. You know, 
you talk about black on black crime, you know, we have crime within our community too. And it's, you know, yeah, it's always, that's always going to be there. But what we're seeing, what we're seeing now is like, man, this has, it has to stop. The police brutality has to stop. Does it exist? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about was, the power of the badge. I don't know if, if, if it's just... And, you know, uh, I was speaking to some young people this week, and we were just talking about things uh, that was going on in our, in our city in regards to the protesting and the incident that took place with uh, George Floyd. And I asked them, well, do you think it's more race? Is it racism or is it just police brutality and they said it's a com a lot of them said it was a combination of both 50 one kid said 50 50 so you can have police officers who abuse their powers and they're not even racist but you you have police officers who just abuse that power and so this is why i say uh Law enforcement is, is really going to be impacted with this um, incident that took place because we got to really go back to the day when when police officers were referred to as peace officers. You know, uh, they were referred to peace, supposed to be keeping the peace. I should not be in fear every time I get pulled over by an officer. Now, I'm the type of I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't have anything in my car that um, would cause me to be in any type of trouble. But there's just still a fear there when any police officer pulls me over. Uh, especially, you know, when I'm in an area that I'm not familiar with. Even when, when we're traveling on the road, state trooper, when we go through these little small towns, you know, the, you know, there's a there's a fear there. So people should not be scared of the police unless you're doing something wrong and unless you're you know known for uh, causing problems. Then yeah, you should be afraid, but not me, not a taxpayer, not somebody who's following the law. So, yeah, 100%. And they just showed the, I'm watching the TV right now. They showed the video where uh, I think the claim was made that he was, that he was resisting. And I'm watching the video, man. That man did not resist at all. And then you know what, you know what else they're saying now is that he tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah, so now they're going to try to twist that. Not even no point. Even if he did have COVID-19. He still, yeah, he still died. You could do that to somebody right. that, that's healthy, and they're still gonna die, <laughs> right. regardless of of if you have COVID or not. Now, can you imagine? I was telling this to my to one of my friends last night. I was like, can you imagine if these cops catch that COVID? That'd be the ultimate karma for them. Yeah, because <laughs> you know none of them were protected. None of them had on masks. Nothing. And I said, wow, if, if they have COVID. If he had COVID, I'm pretty sure they have. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. But 
Man, it's it's unfortunate that it it's come down to this, but like I say, I'm all all in favor of protesting peacefully. Get your make your get your voice heard. All races, all colors, nationalities, ethnicities. You have as as Americans, we do have that right, and we have the right to voice our opinions. Whether they be right, whether they be wrong. Look, I know a lot of people I, who I don't agree with, but it doesn't mean I hate them. You know, if that's the way you think. You know, if you're a Republican, that's your that's your side, man. If that's cool. If you're right. a Democrat, you're Democrat. If you're, you know, Protestant or Roman Catholic, whatever religion you might preach, hey, man, that's you. You know, I have I have several viewpoints that people aren't so crazy about. They might necessarily not agree with, but hey, you know, it is my viewpoint and my opinion. Right. And whether it be right and or one wrong, thing that I, I want to I want to dismiss this uh, myth that's going around with minorities that's saying that voting doesn't matter. It matters. Oh, it does. If you vote, especially us as a minority. See, when we look at voting, we're always talking about. We always think about the president, and, and but this president can't. But it's it's way more to voting. You have local issues, you have state issues. You know, the the president just don't make decisions by himself. He he has to. A lot of that stuff has to be voted on, and so it's important for us to vote. And that that's one of the things that and. We've got to learn as minorities to learn how to agree to disagree and not allow things like this to tear us apart. Um, but I, I wanted to really do because that's the discussion that I've been having with a lot of my Facebook friends and classmates this whole week. It, it, it's I, I feel like it's dumb when you don't vote. I feel like you don't you take away your right to complain if you don't vote. That's just how I feel about it. So as minorities, and this is one thing that uh, I, you know, try to teach the young people that I mentor with in the mentoring programs at my church, it's important that you vote. Let your voice be heard. Let your frustration be shown through your voting. I so, I can't I can't argue with that because I've I've I always vote and. I never, I never make it known. I just encourage those that don't, maybe reconsider and actually educate themselves and look at these issues and see what they're, uh, what they're, what they're voting for. But yeah, man, Gerald, we can go on and on. This is a, this has been a lot of fun for you being the first, a first time guest on the show. And uh, quickly before we wrap up. Uh, Man, tell the audience what you wanna what you wanna plug. <laughs> I know you got something, some. I know you got a show to plug, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so yeah, I was inspired by the podcast king, Mr. Juan Hernandez himself. That's gonna be that's to gonna be my my, my, my new nickname going forward, coined by by the the deacon himself. <laughs> <laughs> so the name of my podcast is Let's Talk About It. 
and um, we talk about everything from sports to local news to issues going on to, you know, um, just things affecting our community, affecting our lives. Um, so the podcast is available on Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts. It's also available on just about most um, podcast platforms. So um, it's a couple of other podcasts with the same name. As mine, but if you just search Gerald Coleman, you'll see mine. And so um, I was so grateful to have Mr. Juan Hernandez on our second episode. So, um, yeah, it's just something that I was inspired to do. A lot of things that I've wanted to talk about. And we just talk about everything. Nothing's off limits. And you can find the show uh, i think as of now it's streaming across several platforms through the through the anchor platform that you do it on yes yes through anchor that's um where we where i actually do the actual recording through anchor and um you can also catch it like i said on google podcast um you can catch it on apple podcast and several other platforms well, there you have it, folks. I, needless to say, I'm I'm honored to be that to be that inspiration. I hope to keep inspiring more people to create their own stuff, man, because it's uh, it's free. <laughs> Most of the stuff's free. Yes. And it's easy to do. So if you, hey, like I said, this is another way to get your voice heard. So so what perfect platform that to do record your own show. So, but Gerald, this was a lot of fun. Hope I hope I'm hoping we can do more episodes in the future because i do want to talk about basketball it's another thing we brought yes. up the other day <laughs> i sent you that picture of the the 2008 2009 rockets uh season <laughs> that was my era growing <laughs> up i know you grew up in a different era the uh the jordan oh, era yeah. but that's another discussion for another day but uh thank you guys for tuning into the show if you guys like what you hear want to listen to past episodes this podcast is streaming for free all you have to do is rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify podcast soundcloud and youtube so feel free to follow me on twitter at juan underscore a underscore h and uh, we'll leave it at that thanks again gerald for coming on thank you for having me i'll talk to you soon